Welcome to the Africa Quarter Tones podcast. My name is Mikey Mhenna. With us today is Blue Pfeiffer, who is a Lebanese-Mexican artist, music producer, and director, approaching her art as a multifaceted platform. Today, Blue readies her debut album, Villain Belakaz, which is inspired by the traditions of storytelling and testimony captured in hip-hop while paying tribute to Arabic music. Blue, welcome to Africa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What a beautiful intro. Yeah, it's, it's fun introducing uh, people who I know in real life. Um, and so it's kind of cool to take a moment and actually like talk to you seriously about the work that you're doing and where you are now. Um, so here's my first question. Do you remember when you started to actually think of yourself as a professional musician? Do you remember when that, that clicked? When you say professional musician, what does that mean? I mean, cause, just because I've lived a lot of lives and I, yeah, I don't know I what know. you mean by professional musician. I, I dropped out of school when I was 14, 15, um, and I went to pursue music. I started by studying music and uh, learning about all the disappointments that that comes with it. And then I started working like in events or weddings or, you know, I've, I've done my fair share of, but I, I, I would say... I think when I went to study music was the first because I had given everything up and I had dropped out and obviously I was shunned from my um, circles and everybody was like, really, you're going to drop out of school and go do music. So this is really when I like switched my life completely. I think this was the first moment where I was just starting to consume myself as that person pursuing that before that it was always kind of a secret and you know i wasn't the girl that would like sing in the plays or make mute like you know i was very like it was like my little secret that i want to do art and you know yeah i got to do it which is really a beautiful thing i get to say when when did that when did that transition actually happen was there an event that was like okay i actually have something to say and i want to do it publicly Deciding to to really leave everything to pursue music, even if the, my first, you know, my expectations weren't always, um, you know, you learn how to set certain expectations and you really do fail and fall a lot. And I don't really have like a reference to someone that's done what I what I'm doing or want want to be doing. So it's it was a really it took me a long time to like I always fought to get to the point where I was just really doing this full time and I'd be able to you know, maybe just live from it and have like cards to play with and get up every day and, and work at this. So like, I've been pursuing it for a bit for since I was 14, 15, when I uh, moved to London by myself. And that was something. But um, every day, there's a new new realization, you know, like, I, oh, I get to do this, like, I get to wake up and have a team and, and give them task and go to go to battles with things and say yes to this and no to this and ups and downs. Like it's, I, that's just always what I wanted to make a life out of making art. So I'm every, I I still pinch myself a lot. Yeah. What, um, you know, what's different about your work these days compared to going back to when I first became acquainted with your work in sort of 2018, if you were to sort of compare a day in the life as an artist in 2018-2019 to uh, 2023 tw- five years later what's sort of different about your your day to day um completely 
completely different in every sense. I live a completely different life now. I think when I had met you, that was, you know, pre-revolution, pre-explosion, pre-just everything changing. And even me, I think I was making English music at the time. I still didn't release any of the, like, Arabic stuff I was working on. Um, but, yeah, completely. I mean, building the label now and making music that, for me, is... Uh, a really important part of my story and my country and everything that has happened since, which I feel I feel like the past, those years that you're talking about, yeah. I think have shaped me the most. The, my, the end of my 20s were really, um, you know, I, I, I went to war with them, you know, and I've grown a lot. So I'm, uh, I think I'm more me now, you know, I'm more, I'm more me. I feel like I have more, power like within myself and it's reflected you know across my life and having the label and the team is I mean it's what I do 80% of the time I get up I you know manage the label try to get things going try to keep us afloat come up with ideas for um, the music we work with other artists how we're putting out my album and then like a small portion of that I get to be an artist um, but I've been spending a lot of my time kind of setting up the infrastructure for everything that's happening now and systems and a lot of admin stuff yeah. and training people and uh, and in trying to inspire people every day to like have that drive and um, I've been lucky to be surrounded by a good team that really believes in what we do because it's not easy at all to have an Arabic hip-hop label in Lebanon it's like the most challenging thing you can <laughs> choose to do it's such a you know but we're all really passionate, so it's it's great. My life is is, is yeah, exactly what I wanted it to be before. Yeah. So I'm I'm proud I get to say that, even though it's not perfect or easy. <laughs> I'm not, uh, you know what I mean. What does it mean to to have an independent label? So for those who don't know, your label is called Muffy Budget, um, which is like which stands for there's no budget. Yeah, right. Which is the running joke here. Nobody has budgets. Yeah. And we don't we don't have budgets either, but I mean, <laughs> it's a, I think it's a commentary on a lot of things culturally. Yeah, I love it, and it also like speaks to your your incessant humor. Your your songs, your art is always hilarious, and in this sort of like subversive way. Um, but I want to ask about this idea: what does it actually look like to run an independent label based out of Lebanon? Um, because I'm sure it means many things that I expect, but I'm sure it means many, many things that I wouldn't be able to predict. So what does it actually look like? Can you be specific? Yeah. I mean, for somebody yeah. who doesn't work in the music industry, we hear terms like labels, but in 2023, mm. what, does that, what does that actually look like? What, do you, what does a label do? An independent label, what does, it, what does this organization even yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, I get it. So I'm, uh, I want to start off by saying that like, whatever I'm going to describe of what our flow at the label looks like is not necessarily what others, what other labels look like. And, yeah. you know, the business module is still something that we're figuring out because we really like to do things without anybody telling us how to do it. So it's hard to get money to do things uh, because of that also. But uh, we, we are, yeah, just coming up with a hybrid model. So basically it is a music label mainly which focuses on Arabic hip-hop across the MENA region. We're based in Lebanon. Uh, we have a content creation department. Uh, we've done all my stuff. 
well, it's it, it started with, I was doing a lot of the work DIY myself, which is the spirit of Mafi Budget. And eventually for yeah. it to be sustainable, like, okay, I could release one project that was great, but I couldn't consistently release things because I was always burning out. And, you know, I do the production and, and um, the recording and the mixing and the, and the directing and the editing and the coloring. And I was doing all that myself. So just growing hands and legs was really important uh, to allow me to, you know, to try to be a consistent artist doing things, releasing music, uh, coming up with projects that are cool for the culture as well. Um, so yeah, we have a content creation team and we have, we can, we distribute music through our partnership with Believe. Uh, so we also have like projects or artists signed for distribution specifically. Um, what else? Yeah. And actually we have, um, what I call a corporate department of the label, which, um, we're trying to develop a little bit more now because the, that's, you know, we, we want to be able to make profit and reinvest in the pro the creative projects and reinvest in the music. And it's, it's really, really challenging yeah. to do There's that. Like, it's really challenging. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, we're always trying to hack it. We're always trying to see how we can like work with more people, how we can get more funds for things. Yeah. Sometimes we don't. And a lot of people really uh, crazy how much they pull together because they're really excited about the projects. And when we do, you know, it's really cool to like hire and work with the people that you actually want to work with um, to deliver for brands that we really like or, you know, brands that kind of want what we're presenting. So it's uh, that's been really fun, too. It's been a learning experience for me because I do manage the team and um, on the daily as well. So I'm like always coming up with systems on how to make everything better. And then we get to take that knowledge and put it in the more creative stuff like how how do we come up with systems to keep making music videos to keep making the process of producing and recording and mixing and masterings and deadlines and setting up things so that it's faster so it doesn't take a billion years each time and like just trying to build the ecosystem because there really isn't a reference for us to um to look at you know that i don't think it's been done in the way that we're trying to do it before and uh yeah, we're learning, we're growing. I love it. Is that unique? Is that story is that story unique to um hip hop in the Arab world? Do you feel like if you look back at sort of the nineties, the alternative scene, like what Soap Kills was trying to do in the nineties and stuff like that, even before then, are there other you know, is this sort of just a latest incarnation that's a little different sonically, but the hustle is the same? Like if you're speaking to people from that time. Are you like, the hustle's basically the same? Uh, no. I mean, y yes. It's not the, the hustle is not, I don't think, dependent on the genre, as long as you're talking about independent Mina music. So yeah. it's, I don't even think it's necessarily like hip-hop. You know, it can be like, you're talking about Soap Kills or, or, or even what Zid Hamdan is doing, doing now, like Adonis, like independent, non-mainstream pop, um, polished kind of... Uh, uh, music, yes, the hustle, the hustle is the same. But back in the day when you had this come up of, of you mentioned Zet Hamdan because I guess that's one of the first few references of independent music. It like I started being uh, involved in the scene like 15 years ago, and and it's that started a few years before I got involved, and like it was there was there isn't like cards to play there aren't like like you really have to make each opportunity yourself there isn't like an industry that's built around independent music especially at the time now i think like it's more on the come up and it's like a really exciting wave it's still not like oh my god 
this is especially not in Lebanon. I mean, if you compare it to Egypt, I feel like they're, they've really crossed over and built a business or are, are bu- bu- building a business around it. Um, so there are more cards to play now, which is really exciting. But yeah, the hustle is across, I think, all independent um, art that I've spoken to in the, in the MENA scene. Yeah, it's funny because like the the cliche is always, well, it's the music business. And so music is not enough. There's like the music side and then the business side is is, is part of it. Right. And so like 15 years ago, there was music, but there wasn't a, like an independent music business. And now it's kind of like beginning to flourish. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm getting what you're saying right, but I mean, like, it really depends what you want out of it. There are people that don't want to turn music into a business and are really passionate about like just doing that and that's totally fine you know like i i want to be able to take everything that i've worked so hard on to learn and go through and really like failing a lot and learning a lot and and digging into each situation of like how can i how can i do this better how can i do this more sustainably like sorry i I lost my train of thought (laughs) it's okay completely (laughs) completely (laughs) like not even where were we (laughs) We were talking about sort of the music business and oh, yeah, what yeah, I was trying I was to saying, say was sorry, that... Sorry, I was saying, yeah, yeah, just to finish my, my thoughts, sorry to interrupt you. I was saying, I want to take that and turn it into, like, I, I, am, I believe that I can make it happen where I can come up with a module that I get to really create without being censored and without responding to, like, no fucking suits and dominating that and being able to make corporate money to be able to reinvest in that like i want to make this into a business i want to make jobs in this in this um industry in this genre like i believe in that that's not necessarily everyone's path you know what i mean yeah well i mean it's funny because when we first met there that hustle that hustler side of you is so obvious right that you're interested in not only the the artistic side, which is obvious, it's there, but you're also in, interested in like, no, no, I, I'm a business person. I'm interested in figuring out the commerce end of it and how to, whether it's selling records or getting downloads or putting together campaigns, like that side of it was very clearly uh, something yeah. that you had an act for and an interest in in developing. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm I'm really ambitious and also like I have dreams for my family and um I want to make that happen through music and I I even even for me the mar- the marketing side of a, a piece of art which for me is part of the story is is just a, an art like the music like it's really for me how people experience the, thi- the the song you've been working on for so long or the video like the way they see it their impression with it their relationship to it is so important to me like i spend so much time and consideration as to how this ties into this whole story and how this is going to bring them to this world you know and 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 that's called marketing as well and um i don't think it's at, at least from my perspective, I don't think it's at the cost of the um, authenticity of the work. Like I'm still saying like, yes, I'm trying to sell it, but I'm still saying what I believe in and, and totally uncensoring myself and talking about things that like not many people have talked about in music in Lebanon, you know, so it, it being authentic and being able to spin it are both. I feel like I am the right person to bring those two together. 
as opposed to just thinking like, oh, if you want to commercially cross over or make money from this or live from this, you have to adhere to a certain mold. I re- I, I don't like, I'm completely rejecting that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. If you were talking, if you were talking to a, um, a younger version of you, like 10 years ago, five years into the game. It's so funny. Every time I talk to you about the past, you always have this look on your face like, oh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> she suffered a lot. Eh. So what, do, what would you say to this girl? Right. Like ghost of Christmas past. You go back in time. You're like this hovering issue. You're a vision to her. Right. Ten years ago. It's 2013. You're five years into the game. Um, what is she struggling with and what advice would you give her? You know, it's really emotional to answer, actually, because when I think about it, I I look back and I imagine like, like just telling her, like, you're doing like exactly what you need to be doing. Like, don't focus too, like, don't get it too much into each fail and win. like, keep moving. It's really important for you to keep moving. Um, and at the same time, this is what my dad was telling me always, you know, like it's uh, I'm realizing that now, like he would always just say, keep moving and keep moving and he'd just be like get up and let's go like how how can we help again how can we help you think like and uh, so many of the things that i've built my like the foundation of everything that i'm building now really was built through so many years of of learning and um and on just failing i i really do have to say that again because i know for a fact like how many people are aspiring artists and Maybe they, you know, they don't have access to seeing like what happens behind the scenes or they think that if somebody's on the come up now, like like I'm starting to be on the come up in some way, which is not at all something that happened overnight or you know what I mean? Like this, there, I really had to learn so much and pay my dues in that way um, and do like hundreds of shows and work hundreds of weddings and, and like really put the work in to be better. It's not even like for anybody to give me a chance. I always thought it was about like, oh, this person giving me a chance or this door opening or this deal coming. Like, it was never about that. Those things come and go and opportunities come and go, but it's about, like, the discipline that you build for yourself, the decision-making at everything, at every step that you're making. How can I learn from this? Like, that's the most important. Like, how can I do this faster next time? How can I do this better? How can I manage my emotions better in these situations? Because obviously I'm going to be in those situations so many, like, really learning to become the person that can live this life and wake up and live it every day. It's not about hacking it with one song or, or one deal head on. This is what we think as artists, like this label is going to come and sign it, like, especially back in the day, you know? Um, and it's really not like that. It's about becoming the person that you need to become to live that life, to produce the type of music you want to be producing, to be the person you want to be presented to people. And the rest kind of starts magically. Yeah. Falling into place bit by bit, which is, I didn't have that before. It was like working so hard and putting my hopes on like each thing that I did, which because I'm a perfectionist, like it it made things beautiful and I would try to make every show epic, you know. Um, But it's about the long journey, really. I I would say that. And and my dad's always said that. So I I thank him for that. Amazing. Okay. I want to listen to the first interlude because I want to listen to some of the music. Um, And then we're going to talk about it. So we asked you before the event to pick a few interludes. The first one is Sharaf. 
tell us a little bit about why you chose this uh, this interlude for us to check out. So Shut Up uh, was the first song that was released from my album in, I think, 2021, which is a long time ago, and I still haven't released the full length of my album. But th this was, I wanted to, to release it first because I had done Baalbak and I had premiered it then, so I, I really wanted to put it out around the same time. Um, and in this chapter, so my album is, a, it's a story and it's chapters that are chronological. This is why they're numbered. You know, you can see zero two mm -hmm. and then, yeah. So in this chapter, I'm confessing to, I don't know. I don't like to really pinpoint it, but it's, uh, I'm confessing to going towards a new direction and deciding to let go of myself or maybe confessing to my sins or something that I'm going to do or something that I've done. And there's, um, it's shut up translates to honor and there's a layer of you know how you cool. decide to do things like uh, after the circumstances in lebanon and everything that has happened i think everybody's like values and judgment has, has changed just because we all have to survive so this was really inspired by that all right let's listen to a little bit and then we'll talk about it more تسمعني بذكرتك فرح اضل الاخير على المعنى محافظ ولا تنسى حب المره بشرفك هذا الراب مثل الثوره في عل دائم نحن عائلتنا شريسه شريسه عشت لا ورده حبيبي 
What's it like watching this? It was funny. I was looking at you as you were watching it. Are you overanalyzing? Are you getting sort of frustrated with it? Are you like bathing in the final product? Are you looking like, oh, that color grade isn't right. I would change that. How, how do you feel watching this? <laughs> Usually, yes. Actually, I mean, I mean, there are things like there are always things. But at the, actually, I haven't watched it in uh, a little bit like in a minute, but uh, because I'm building the rest of the chapters and the, the story kind of came along so much after like the, the rest of the story and the plot and how it starts and how the album ends came after I had done that. But this fits so like watching it now after I've had distance from the details of editing and what came through and what didn't or like those details. I'm like, wow, it really, really fits with um, the character and the character development. Like I'm like really really proud we did that and it's it's really nice a lot of people worked very hard on that i'm very proud of it who are your references who are you sort of referring to in this in this uh it, let's just talk about the visuals so for anyone listening to the podcast i highly recommend going to youtube and watching uh watching the video clip because it's really visually stunning uh who do you think you're referencing in it there isn't like myself no not 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 no way okay that's <laughs> completely uh taken out of concept <laughs> that way i had a kanye moment you know i inspire myself no but i mean like I, i'm obviously inspired by everything around me anything that makes me feel anything or anything that has had an impact on me yeah. but it's not necessarily a thing where i think like what is my main source of inspiration um i think i'm getting to the point where i just naturally kind of channel things that have influenced me and i think i'm kind of have my sound a little bit more together right now like i feel like i have my my own sound or even visually there's a certain there's a certain identity and storytelling that i think now is, is way more natural now that i don't really even have to think that much about that just becomes my um my print but i'm really inspired by so like i, I can be inspired by anything it's yeah. crazy like sometimes the smallest thing and sometimes nothing you know sometimes i'll just be like i don't feel anything yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so funny um can you talk a little bit about the songwriting? Like, how do you how do you put something like this together? Are you somebody who starts with uh, starts with a beat and sort of a instrumental? Are you humming to yourself? Do you start with an idea? Do you start with the the title? Shut up! And you're like, okay, I got it. Now I got to work backwards. Mm. Um, does it start with a specific phrase? And you're like, 
Yeah, how did this one come together? Yeah, so actually, I mean, it's definitely can be different with every song, but with this album, uh, so I produced it myself, I composed it myself and arranged and everything. I co-wrote the songs with other writers. We'd have writing sessions. The way that I did the, I did almost the full album musically with no lyrics or anything, mm. but just like all the production pretty much that way the way you're hearing it before i like like a year and a half before i could write or like a year before i could write on it so i was like really had the music very clear in my mind and very defined and i had the names uh some of them changed shut off stayed it, it sounded like you know with the with the trumpets and the brass section i had this there was this announcement i kept feeling in the song there was something being announced so i i, I yeah and and then actually the when so the music comes to me first. The being a producer for me definitely comes before being like a writer or a singer or, or those mm. um, hats that I would wear. Uh, but it was really clear, you know, to me what I wanted to write. So when I would get together with the my co-writers were my friends or rappers or like other producers, everything would be like I would tell them the story and the title and even the references that I'd want to make and, and what she's what i'm going through or i i have to separate myself from that when i'm in that environment but i would you know things would get personal sometimes and then we'd we'd write the lyrics or we'd write a bunch of lines or things like that and then i'd go you know in my cocoon by myself i like to work alone a lot at the same time mostly i've worked alone and kind of just put everything together and trip on it and like make yeah just like i get consumed by it until I pop it out of the machine. Um, but it usually starts with the music, yeah. Do you like producing? Not uh, By production, I don't mean um, making, the, making the instrumentals. That side of the production, it sounds like you really love. But I mean, I love it. do you like producing other rappers where they're in the room and you're like, yeah. hey, tap into this, tap into this? What does that feel like? I do. I really like producing for other people. So I've produced for other artists. I've produced for films. I've produced for like documentaries and ads and like uh, things like that. I really enjoy all those things, even like producing for like I there is something t- to me about like getting a brief and nailing it, you know, mm-hmm. sonically. And I ask all the questions to understand what they want. And like, it's a really nice challenge for me. Yeah. Um, and I really do like working with other people. And I invested a lot of effort last year um to to collaborate with more people and more artists and stuff um but you know i really developed my i'm self-taught and i developed myself right here in this corner by myself for like the longest time and i wouldn't let anyone in and i wouldn't let anyone hear it and i was really like just really needed to figure out my own self and i had had a really bad experience working with other people predominantly men and i just wanted to be by myself in a safe space and teach myself how to do all those things so i wouldn't have to depend on anybody um so it's really important for me to keep my studio a safe space and to really like because it's such a sensitive thing i feel like for me i'm like so open and vulnerable and, and when i'm making music and i feel like it needs to be that way for me to get anywhere in the flow um, so there are people that I'd like to collaborate with, but if there's no, like, sometimes we just don't, like, we don't have the same process or the same flow and I'll be like, I can't, 
Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it really has to be right. And even people like I, I really believe collaboration has to happen from like um, a really genuine place. Sometimes it can happen by like introduction or somebody reaching out to you. But I, I always prefer it when it's like I'll get to know somebody and I won't. I, I know so many artists I've never asked to collaborate with or, you know, I kind of just we get to know each other. We spend years sometimes just texting or it's important for me to have, and sometimes you meet somebody and you just click with them from the first time they come into the studio. But that's the most important part for me because the rest will flow much easier. But sometimes it gets complicated and I'm like, I have to, I have to say like, this is not like, I can't create like that, you know? So it's, it's yeah. different because I'm used to working by, by myself as an, for like a producer for myself as an artist. Um, so it's always a great learning like experience for me to work with other rappers and to tell them what I've been telling myself in my head or to give them that kind of motivation in the, in the mic or when they're stuck somewhere. Like I know what to say because I've said it like to myself, you know? Yeah. You know, when, when we think about like the, let's just talk about like global hip hop for a second, right? There, each geography kind of over time develops its own sound, right? And sometimes they have multiple sounds, but like, you know, you can you can hear uh, hip-hop from New York or hip-hop from London or hip-hop from LA or Atlanta or New Orleans or Chicago, and they all kind of have a different sound to them. Do you feel like um, Beirut and Lebanon has a very specific sound that's maybe different than Egypt, for example? Because you mentioned Egypt earlier. You mean in hip-hop specifically? Hip-hop specifically, yeah. Not fully yet, no. Like, not comparing to Egypt, no, I don't think so. I think G Egypt has really done a great job in, like, uh, dominating their own sound, their own thing, and crossing it over. And um, they have, they do have a specific sound. To the point where, like, you have, like, now there's a generation of people who are, you know, like, um, imitating the, like, it's it's really become a big, big thing. I don't think we have that, that, here that much we do have like some we have a lot of identity that's not what i mean we have identity in music but i don't feel it's as shaped and as specific as um other countries necessarily and i you know we're egypt is what what are they like 60 90 million i'm sorry yeah, i'm forgetting yeah. the number yeah, but like it's like 20 insane. times the size or like 15 yeah, times and we're six. four to six, whatever, seven million people. So it's a completely different landscape in terms of like the people that are doing this and people who are trying to do this and the amount of venues and the amount of like it's a small place, but it's a very specific kind of I mean, I honestly, I, I, I love it here. I'm not gonna I love it here. You know what I mean? I'm not. It's just very fresh still. And I think could use a lot of development, especially sonically. You know, it's re it's really um always on the lookout of like who's doing what and like if there's a new artist and how we can you know is we that need part more of your ambition to be able to do it is that kind of part to, of your ambition to be like all right i'm going to be the sound i want i want when people think of hip-hop from lebanon they think of muffy budget they think of the sound that we are sort of chasing uh, it's not a matter of, I don't see it as a matter of dominating as in I want to be the one and only reference, I, but I want to be able to present our own flavor at the forefront of it, which is what we do or what I, you know, my, yeah. what I produce, what we produce at the label. Um, but I don't think, I think what we're doing is very specific and unique um, to our own vision our own, and our own experience. I don't, yeah. it's not a matter of like competition. It's a matter of like, I, you know, we are Muffy Budget. <laughs> I am blue. Even, although, even if there's like 10 more other amazing, 
you know, people in collective uh, doing things. I, I, I like I, I want more people to be doing this. I, I want that, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's listen to the second um, the second interlude. So the people who can't see the screen, tell us uh, why you chose this. Okay, so this is Zero Four, Nazili Big Champagne, um, from my album as well. This is one of the big uh, focus singles of the album. And in this chapter, it's my most recent single. I put it out, I don't know, like a month and a half ago or so. It was our biggest production to date. Um, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. And shooting this was like the magnet, like it was bigger than anything I had done. And I really, like, really, it was everybody like went really hard for it and i think it, it showed it was i directed this and i uh co-directed with george from my label we uh edited it together um yeah i love it in this chapter it's a uh, post betrayal and i'm kind of like lost in the myself and in the club and in the everything that is around me and i'm trying to drown my sorrows and look like a like a badass before i decide what my next move is can't wait. Okay, let's watch it. Champagne, I'm a 
Something like that. What do you think? What do I well, think? I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. I haven't asked you that. I, yeah, I have thoughts for sure. Um, it's amazing the difference between, first of all, the production is incredible. Um, and I totally can see how much, how much effort and energy uh, was put into it. And, all, and, almost, and also how much fun was had. Um, you guys are clearly enjoying yourselves, like thinking thinking super creatively, trying to be super fun and play with tons of different ideas. Um, it's also cool to see the, like sonically how different everything is, you know? Um, and I feel like I can, I can feel you spreading out and be mm. like, all right, let's try a little bit of this. Let's try a little bit of this. Um, is that how it feels for you? Were you like, all right, no, no, no barriers. I don't care what people think I sound like. I'm just going to try a bunch of different stuff. Is that how it felt putting the album together? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think about pe- like people in that sense. I mean, they're so very different. And it's, this is why I really see them as clear, different chapters, because I feel like they each have such a such an identity that's so cinematic and like so like just if you hear the music even alone there's like so many images and that's so colorful and you have strings and like i love embellish it's not like a simple type beat kind of production um but i really do think it sounds like one universe um in a way you know like i even though it's very different so it's great to to like get to the point like this is something that money can't buy like you spend most of your life trying to come up with your identity and like for that to be effortless this way um yeah do you think do you as you're putting this together are you thinking sort of strategically about the performance and the tour and be like all right what would actually be fun to sing uh, live, are you thinking through that stuff? Both, also, just like the sonics of it, but also to like what would be fun to just be jumping up and down singing with, you know, a thousand people. Yeah, no, I should do that. What happens is that I don't think about that at all, mm. and then I get like, like Sintale was like so fast, impossible to do live, like <laughs> because I spent three years in quarantine in the studio, and I had done all like ten years of shows or twelve years of shows before that. Yeah. Um, I really in this album, I really went into like just music making and discovering myself and spending years really in the studio, like g- grinding on, on how I want to do this and how I want to say this. And it was not at all. Um, I really didn't listen that much to people's opinion in that sense. Like I, I would always want to hear people's opinion of like how they would like I'd show it to some, I'd show a song to somebody. And then I would take what they would say and think about if that's what I want them to feel, whether they like it or not. Like it's this is my my guide um, in that way. It's not like, are they going to like it or do they you know, I'm I'm in the position that I'm in in terms of being the creator of my music. Um, 
And so in that sense, I really do have a responsibility towards being authentic and I really like to be innovative and I like to bring so many contrasting sounds together and like these big hip hop beats, but with strings or like an electronic arpeggiator or something like this is, I, this is what I, I, I like to do. It's, it's not definitely not referenced ever. Like I don't have a brief or like I listen to a song and I say, I want to make the, I want to make something like that. I, after the album, I think I'll do that just for the, like being in a more fun space, less yeah. serious, less album mode. I think that's great. Um, but I really didn't think about, you know, but actually like in the process after the music's done and I started, I had my first show back in Paris and then I went to Dubai. We, then we came back and I did three shows here in, in Beirut in December. Uh, I got to test out so much of this music that I had never played live yeah. ever, and I and I, I, I like you know what I, I had been listening to it for three years, and I, I not it not and it was my first time. You're like what are the lyrics again? Tune live and no no really like it was it was all the things that I didn't think about. And yeah. Each show taught me so much, um, but the but the but the album is such an such a universe filled with moments. There's a very clear storyline for me. So it's really exciting now to be in the phase where I'm thinking about the show and how how I'm going to tie everything together and how to make it like a whole experience yeah. and and to really connect with the audience. Um, but I didn't think of it at all at the time, you know. <laughs> it's so interesting. I, you know, I heard this interview with Kanye like I don't know, like 15 years ago, where he was talking about after his sec second album, he went on tour with U2, and specifically to see what it looks like to write songs for arenas. And he was yeah. like, my songs are club songs and theater songs, and they sound great in clubs and theaters. They sound great on music videos, but like, how do you write songs for a theater? And so he specifically went on tour with you too. So he could be like, I want to see what this looks like. And that was the album before graduation and all his songs on graduation, all his big songs were like super anthemic. Um, and they were all, it was like a challenge that he, and he was like, all right, there's yeah. a challenge. I want songs that sound good in a stadium in arenas, you know, all of the lights and all that type of stuff, you know, um, it's interesting. It's kind of cool to think about. Definitely. And the more you go, like the more you like even taking a song live and seeing what people are singing along to and what moment they respond to more does make me go back after to the studio and include that in my thought pro like it really does come with a lot of like you have to go through it a lot to be able to you know get to that point and really become like it's not just people are watching me perform it's like a moment that you're creating for yourself and the and the audience and it's um it's challenging it's really hard to do that sometimes you know it's challenging to put yourself out there and you know i i do the pole dancing part in the in the show as well so the first like time being back was in December and I, I hadn't done that for years and I hadn't trained for years either. Um, it's, it's really vulnerable, you know, but, um, sure. but I'm good at it and I enjoy doing it and I think we can do it much better and every time it's getting better. So I, I love the show aspect of things. Yeah. Okay. I want to get to Sintel uh, uh, Sintel Eo. Sintel Eo. Sorry, excuse me. Eo, Eo. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Eo. <laughs> um, but I want you to answer before you talk about this question, okay, uh, this, uh, before you talk about the video. Um, this song went so viral uh, when it came mm. out. And I wonder what it was like at the time for you. Because I don't, I, I mean, excuse my ignorance. I don't remember you having 
the type of uh, sort of notoriety where people would like come up to you and be like, hey, oh, my God, <laughs> you're, you're the girl from blank. Um, but yeah. I feel like after the song, you were the girl from blank. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had been in my old life under my old name. I had been that girl for a while and I had steered away from it for a long time. But this definitely changed my changed things, changed my career, changed how um, but it was quarantine. So for the longest time, I wasn't even going out. You know, this was 2020. All and, the fame was wasted. Later, <laughs> no, it was because. It really was. But then after when I, you know, I had put that out and then I had put maybe one more song out like Shut Up. And then we started going out and places started opening. And I really, I, I really, I was like, oh, a lot has happened since the last time I've been out. This is, this is really like a nice, um, just a nice reminder that people are listening and that we're reaching people and that our work is not going the way. So I, I really did feel it. Sintel Air was uh, was life changing. Sintel Air was the first kind of song, my first uh, proper release that I had done in Arabic, and I had written it with my friends in quarantine. We adapted the Ghassan Rahbane's uh, Sintel Alfan. Yeah. It was really hard to like be writing about anything else at the time. I was making a bunch of music, but zero writing. Like, I was like, what are we going to talk about? Everything, everything's on fire. Nobody knows what the fuck's happening, what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, we've just been through so much drama. Like, it was really hard for me to artistically how to maneuver. And this was the only thing that we, you know, kind of ended up working on. And, and it felt like the right time also to document what was happening in Lebanon in that year you know like i i like even yes i knew that it was you know had vir virality potential or whatever because it was you know quite political and i i had studied this video a lot like i edited it myself and i think i had like 42 cuts because i had finished the edit um, we shot it on iphone drove around lebanon and shot it on iphone and i took the footage and i i researched the archive for months and then and it was a very funny kind of even funnier than I don't know if you think it's funny. A lot of people think it's funny. But but if you saw the first version, it was much more like much more comedic. And then the explosion happened and then I couldn't see it or touch it for like a month Yeah. or more like 40 days. Yeah. And then I was like, what? I've been working on this all year. I don't think it's appropriate to put it out. And then I had to go back and completely rework it and take out so much because it, it was you remember, I mean, it still is such a sensitive subject, but I really, really thought and battled so much with myself and the people around me about whether to include the that those shots of the explosion and the destruction but i didn't want to erase it like this yes we're all traumatized and i know it's a big conversation and there isn't right or wrong but i can't look back in three years a song that's about 2020 and i'm completely you know like we're pushing this under the rug because we don't want to talk about it like it, 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 the editing of this was really such such a tough job and very very i'm very proud of it and i studied every like every frame has uh, like four or five meanings like if you really dig yeah. into it um and this was the beginning of the label this was beginning of everything i have now so i'm i'm very grateful to that song all right let's listen I'm 
عشرين وانت كخت البلد صارت عشرين عشرين والليرة بالأرض وما بقى في دولار وسكروا المطار شو حلو حصل بيعيش بيها السنة الايو صارت عشرين عشرين ونزلنا عالطريق وبلشت حريقة في طورة كل دقيقة جربنا من الطريقة تعرفنا عالشبيحة كورونا عالترويقة كورونا كل دقيقة فتروا الحين نجينا ودقية موسيقى كورونا عالترويقة كورونا كل دقيقة فتروا الحين نجينا ودقية موسيقى اللبنانية أصبحت نكتة على الألسن والناس افتقرت وجاعت ما بقى قادر ضل بأرض هي مقبرة للأحلام صارت عشرين عشرين والوضع كتير تعتير صارت عشرين عشرين والصنوبر أغلى شي وعشم عايشين وبالبنوك قاعدين شو حلو حظل بيعيش بيها السنت الإيو صارت عشرين عشرين ودورت التيفي وطفيت التيفي ولك شو هالمسرحية شو هالمصلحجية كلهم حرامية وبديكم مبسوطة وبديكم فخورة So good. Um, how does it feel to perform this song? Uh, how does it feel to perform the song? Um, okay, so the first few shows I did coming back, I had only put this out and Sharaf and maybe Sfiha. Uh, yes, Sfiha and Sharaf. But it was the one that people knew the most. So like yeah. everyone would be really excited to hear the album, but they didn't, they weren't like familiar with it. But this song just gets everybody, just everybody going. It's uh, the first time I, I did a show in Paris. It was the first show back and I wasn't at all sure. I, ha I hadn't performed in Paris before. So I really wasn't sure, sure what to expect. Um, but it was such a beautiful turnout, such a beautiful, diverse group of people. You had like expats and you had immigrants and you had 
Europeans that actually like the song and I don't even know if they know what I'm saying but like the the whole room was like you know the and you know, it's a, a my favorite to do live in that uh, in that sense but but the you know I produced this a really long time ago like I've changed a lot not changed I've developed a lot my sound more so I t- I've tweaked the live like it has a much fatter bass and there's a, it's the the ending is dramatic and there are strings and I, I love doing it live it's nice people like wait for it you know yeah for sure um, yeah definitely crowd pleaser for sure um, when you um, I want to talk a little bit about the sort of virality for a second again um, because I wonder especially after 2020 or 2019, there are like an absence, a conspicuous absence of role models in Lebanon, right? As you said, everyone's a thief, right? Everyone, everyone's a crook. Everybody, right? Everyone is a crook. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how it feels to sort of like it's it's a it's a corny question but i actually legitimately wonder how it feels to be a role model like when people come up to you out on the street and i'm like oh my god i'm so i i it's amazing you're saying what you're saying and having the courage to say what you're saying and doing what you're doing in a in a country in a place that really suffers from lack lack of role models what does that actually feel and, like and authenticity and then a lack of authenticity i've you know i've realize that a lot of people do connect to what I do because of that specifically also like I'm like because I remember in the beginning I, I didn't really get like the role model thing or when people would send me messages that they're inspired by something I I've done or or say or me or whatever like I I didn't really get it in the beginning and it because I was like oh, I'm like expressing myself and telling my story and I don't know how like it really became clear to me that it was like oh people seeing me do my thing and being myself and being thriving in, in, a, in my own way, at least thriving in a really difficult environment. And I'm like the poster girl of everything that's supposed to be not acceptable where I am. Um, so I guess that really makes people feel empowered, which is um, so so humbling, so flattering. Um, I, don't, I don't like get attached to it at the same time because when you when you when you take too much out of that then your mental health kind of depend depends on that and not everything you do whether you're so proud of it or whether you believe it's your best work or not not everybody's going to always feel the same way about everything that you do so it's one voice in the conversation and and I'm happy to be able to like inspire people to do whatever it is that they want to do or just make them feel less alone in whatever moment they're having when they're listening to a song cuz this music saved me from a lot and made me feel understood and i hope that it does that to people um but yeah i'm not like a cult leader or anything like that. <laughs> oh if that, if that's the case we'll update your bio because we were gonna we were gonna no, list you know, like when you say role model i'm like whoa you know <laughs> but yeah i'm just I doing mean, me you know i'm really doing me yeah. like it's really important for me to do me and, and i love that i inspire people to be themselves. I don't want anybody to like be like me or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. It is. It is a, a sort of unintended consequence, though, right? Because yeah, there are going to be people who. It's the, it's the catch twenty two of being yourself, right? And being sort of like, um, 
unapologetically authentic. Um, it's that it's contagious and, and that people will be inspired by that and they'll, and they will miss it. They'll think, Oh, I need, I'm not inspired by your authenticity. I'm inspired by your actions. And so I'm going to actually replicate your actions instead of replicating your authenticity. Exactly. Exactly. This is what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's tricky. Um, okay. I want to ask you before we wrap up, um, we were recording this, uh, the first week of April, this is going to go live mid April towards the end of April. Um, what is coming up? I mean, what are dates that people should be aware of? When does the album go live? How can people see you perform? Yeah. So, um, uh, our big focus right now, my big focus, and even the label's big focus is the release of my album, mm-hmm. which we are releasing through chapters. Um, so each song will drop as a, you know, with its own story and video and at the end, kind of the album gets completed. So there isn't like one date for the album. The next song, it's called Dabah. It's number six. I think it's the one that comes after Big Champagne. And it's uh, the um, it's what the album kind of boil, boils down to. It's when I decide to say, you know what? I've tried everything. I've done everything I thought I should do. I've been uh, hurt and betrayed by my country and everybody around me. And I'm just deciding to be a villain and burn everything to the ground. So that's where we're going next. Nice. <laughs> getting dark. Yeah, it's getting dark before it gets, uh, you know, colorful and fun in the second part of the album. Yeah. Very cool. But do I, I post everything that we're, you know, working on on my social media. Yeah. My name is Blue Pfeiffer and the name of my label is Muffy Budget. Shout out to my team. My co-founder Wasim and Hafikra for having me. Yeah. So people who are listening to the podcast, that is B L U F I E F E R, and then Muffy Budget is M A F I B U D G E T on everything. Blue, it's so so fun talking to you about this. I love what you're doing. I am proud to to have this music coming out of the city I live in, and I'm really proud that you guys are doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. And thank you for having me. It was really a beautiful conversation. Absolutely. Okay, everybody. uh, We will see you next time. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks. Thanks.